0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning, Saving Grace Church. Uh, Friends, family, uh, those who are tuning in for the first time, welcome. My name is Joe Ryer, one of the pastors here at Saving Grace Church. And this morning, we are, be, uh, we are ending our series, uh, Finding Peace in Anxious Times. This will be the final message, and if you have a Bible, uh, get it open or pull it up on your phone. We're going to be looking at Psalm 46. Before we jump into God's Word, let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your Word, and particularly Psalm 46. Thank you that... Uh, it is always true that you are a refuge and strength and a present help. And Lord, we pray that Holy Spirit, you would drive these truths home um, to our minds and hearts this morning. We would be encouraged and built up and strengthened. I ask for your help and ask this in your name. Amen. Well, let's jump right into Psalm 46. It starts with a title To the Choir Master. Of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. Let me just explain what that title is. That tells us who the author is. It really is a song. Um, it was written by the sons of Korah. And according to Alamoth, is thought to be um, a music term to describe how it should be sung at, in, a, in a higher pitch, is what scholars think. But before we get into the content, I just want to make one comment about the authors, the sons of Korah. If on your own sometime this week you could look at Numbers chapter 16 and you'll learn something about Korah and the rebellion that he posed against Moses with 250 leaders. And it should encourage all of us that no matter our family upbringing, background, the Lord is full of grace. And we went from these men or grandsons of Korah Uh, having a, a father who rebelled, to these guys being committed servants of the Lord and writing one of the most significant psalms in all of the book of Psalms. Let's jump in. Here's what they write. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains will be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. That word selah is going to show up three times. It means to pause. It means to pause musically and meditatively. To think about what we have just read or sung. Next section, number verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Pause. We're going to work our way through this incredible psalm this morning. And just to prepare us, so I want to ask you some questions to think about. Have you ever thought about the reality that there is a huge difference between knowing facts about something and having an experiential knowledge of the same subject? So there's a massive difference between knowing true things about something and then having a functional or experiential knowledge. Let, let me um, give you an example of what I have in mind, just a practical example. Well, growing up, I, I, I grew up in York, Pennsylvania, um, with my father and my, my mom, and my dad was a machinist by trade, and later on after retirement, he was a do-it-yourselfer, um, a handyman, and still to this day, he is a very capable guy. Well, growing up in my house on 70 Susan Drive in Dallastown, Pennsylvania, uh, we had a garage full of tools. And if we were to take a, an exam that consisted of what is the tool and what, if, what is its purpose? If I took that test and I competed with my dad and he took that test, uh, I think what you would see is he would do better for sure, but I would probably be able to get an A minus or a B plus. He would know some things that I wouldn't, but we would be fairly close in our intellectual knowledge of the tools and their purposes. Now, if you made the exam harder and said, Joe, here's what I want you to do. I want you to compete against your dad in the following things using the tools in your garage. First thing I want you to do is change the transmission on your car. Then I want you to build a shed. Then I want you to build an addition onto your house. And then I want you to fix a machine and use a, mic- a micrometer to measure things accurately. Well seeing that I can't even pronounce micrometer, you'll see quickly that within a few minutes, at least within an hour, you would notice that my dad would be far, far, far superior in his functional knowledge of how to use the tools in the garage. Well, Why does this matter? Why am I talking about this? Well, I think what is true in the garage with tools is also true when it comes to God's Word. There's a major difference between knowing true things about the Bible, being able to write on an exam what the answer to a particular Bible passage or book of the Bible is, the author, why he wrote it. That's not a bad start, but it's not complete. It's far better to have an experiential, functional knowledge of the truth of God's Word. So this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 46, not just to understand what it means, but to see how we apply it to our hearts and souls in our present day, and in the many, many years that the Lord will give us into the future. So let's get back to Psalm 46, verse 1. The first question is this. Is God your go-to shelter and strength against all present danger? Is God your go-to strength against all present danger. See, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. See, God becomes our refuge and strength the moment that we trust in Jesus Christ. When we turn from our sins and we trust in Jesus who is fully God and fully man, who died on the cross for our sins, We are forgiven, we are saved, we are brought into God's family, and we have His sheltering protection over us from that moment forward. But the question I want you to consider right at the outset is, is God your refuge and strength? Can you say functionally, experientially this past week, God is my refuge and strength? Is he who you have gone to with the worries, the fears, the pressures, the concerns, the cares of life that you have navigated this past week? If you haven't been to my house ever, I live in a solid brick house, have a fairly large yard. And I want you to imagine a scenario where you're driving up past my house and it's a thunderstorm. And you happen to look out your window and you see me standing in my front yard in the middle of a a thunderstorm trying to get shelter under a pine tree without many branches at all. So I'm getting pummeled by the rain, getting pummeled by the wind, debris is, is getting objects flying at me, and there I am clinging to this tree for shelter. All the while, my wife and my three children are inside our brick home, safe and secure, And warm. And wouldn't you think it would be odd if I was out there trying to find shelter in something that really can't protect me all the while I'm within a hundred feet of a nice, warm, safe home? Well, functionally, that's what we do as Christians if we know the Lord, we trust in the Lord in a, a big reality, but we don't go to Him as often as we could for refuge and strength and help. It's like me standing in my front yard in the middle of a storm while my house is just a, a few feet away. See, I want to persuade you that this reality has everything to do with our practical, functional, experiential relationship with the Lord. See, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Let's just think about that for a moment. God never changes. He's all powerful. He is our refuge. He is our strength. God is like a a ballast of a ship that that helps it to not tip over when waves and wind are pressuring it to, to flip over. It gives it support and stability. He alone can bring peace and stability in our minds and souls when we're under duress. Not only is God like a ballast, but he's like an anchor for our soul as we're getting flung around by the news and maybe by our financial situation and our work situation and our family pressures. He's the anchor that we won't go out to sea and be destroyed. God is like an impenetrable refuge, a a shelter that, that can't be attacked if we're in and save. Pic- picture the, the most incredible fortress you've ever seen, um, either in history or even in a movie. You can make up one. God is, is more protective than anything you could imagine. But not only is he a shelter and a refuge, he has offensive weapons as well. Picture the, the most incredible naval ship you can imagine that our nation might have, and all the weapons that are on that ship. Both the defensive protection and the offensive power. God has both. And so we run to Him. He protects us from the defensive things that come at us. And He is working towards good. He is destroying the forces of evil. And we can run to Him at every moment of the day if we are in Jesus Christ. Not only that, but God is a source of inexhaustible strength. It's a supernatural strength that he alone provides for us. And so we need to go to him and we go weak and needy and he gives us strength and power. So here's what I want to persuade you of. God is far, far, far superior to any human refuge or shelter, or economic strategy, or political party, or constitutional hope, or infectious disease specialist, or well-funded, equipped army, or academic or intellectual information that you could come up with. He's far superior than human ingenuity or spirit. He's far superior to anything else in the world you could think of to go to for refuge. See, it's not enough to just know it's true. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. But is He yours? Can you say He is mine and have you gone to Him? And if you have, and if you're a Christian, but you've, you've been going to other things and looking for peace in other places, you have something to look forward to. As you change your, your vantage point of where you go to for help, if you go to the Lord, You will have joy and peace and power from the Lord to rest in Him that you know nothing about if you're looking in these other places. So the question is, is God your go-to shelter and strength against all present danger? One of the things I love about this psalm, there are many, but one of the things is it is like a precise mathematic equation that, that never changes. So just like 5 plus 5 equals 10 always, or 5 squared equals 25 always, it does not change. I want you to follow, follow the logic of Psalm 46 from verse 1 to verse 2. Because this is true, this is true, the psalmist says. So verse 1, God is our refuge And strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Because this is true, this is true. Because God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, like a great mathematician, we will not fear. There is nothing... To be afraid of. God is our present help. He is our strength. He is our refuge. No matter what. I want you to get this. No matter what comes our way. No matter what happens on a global scale, a national scale, a regional scale, or even in our very own family situation. See, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 8. And I think at times we we just have trouble believing this is really true. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. In other words, since the fall of mankind, since sin entered the world, there have been pains of every sort. There are earthquakes, tornadoes, there's sickness, there's death, there's disease, there's sadness, there is pain suffering. And it will be like that until the Lord returns. But that's not a hopeless picture because we have a mighty Savior, Jesus, that we can run to at every moment. Listen to what the 19th century preacher Charles Spurgeon said about Psalm 46. This is from his book, The Treasury of David. I love this quote. Happen what may... The Lord's people are happy and secure. This is the doctrine of the psalm. Happen what may. Happen what may. Whatever happens. The Lord's people are happy and secure. This is the doctrine of the psalm. So here's some, some implications. So verse 2 says, Therefore we will not fear that the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We will not fear. We will not fear though the mountains give way. We will not fear even if the Rocky Mountains, the Andes Mountains, the Himalayan Mountains, all come crashing to the sea. We need not fear. See, the psalmist is using the extreme example. But if you're like me, Something far less than the Rocky Mountains crumbling or the Andes crumbling or the Himalayans crumbling will cause me to fear. But the psalmist is trying to anchor us. You need not fear even if it all blows apart because God, the maker of heaven and earth, is your refuge. We will not fear though the waters roar and foam. We will not fear. No matter how loud the roaring of the waters gets, no, no matter how close the foam gets to our doorstep, we will not fear. Throughout our globe right now, the waters are roaring in some places, they are churning. There is foam coming up to doorsteps. We do not need to be afraid. Because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. See, we worship Jesus, King Jesus. I mean, remember, even when we started this series, I think it was the first message I preached was on Mark 4. And it was with Jesus being in the boat with his disciples. and They thought they were going to drown, and he was asleep on the boat. And what happened? They woke him up. They charged him with a lack of care. They said, Lord, don't you care that we're dying? What did he do? Sleepy Jesus woke up, looked right at the wind, right at the waves. Wind cease, sea be still. And like that, it happened. That's our refuge. That's our strength. That's who we go to. We go to the person of Jesus Christ. So we need not fear. Now, many of you might know the name Martin Luther. He's one of the main leaders in the Reformation in the 1500s. He's written tons of commentaries. Uh, What you might not know about him, he is also the author of about 40 hymns. And one in particular, you probably know. You might not have known he was the author. It's entitled, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he wrote that hymn in the midst of really his life being threatened. And he wrote it based on Psalm 46, the very psalm that we're looking at. I just want to read a few lines from verse 2 of the psalm. Now keep in mind, when he wrote this, His life was being threatened at all times. At one point, he hid in a castle in Germany translating the New Testament into German so that the common people could have the Bible. He had regular threats upon his life. But he did not fear. He trusted in the living God and he penned these lines. From a mighty fortress is our God. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be be losing in other words really the the motto of the day is trust in yourself he's saying the exact opposite if we would in our own strength confide or trust all our effort all our work would be for nothing it would be losing then he says we're not the right man on our side the man of god's own choosing." See, if we trust in ourselves and the right man was not on our side, the one of God's own choosing, he would be all for nothing. But here's the thing, the right man is on our side. So then he writes, you ask who this might be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Who's the man? Who's the right man on our side? The risen Jesus Christ. Lord Sabbath is his name, meaning Lord of hosts, Lord of the angel armies is on our side. From age to age the same, and he must, he will with great certainty win the battle. Go to him for your refuge. Second point, God's grace is near and present to all his people as the nations rage and kingdoms totter. It's not just our refuge. He is near. He is full of grace and mercy and compassion and strength. Look at verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That's a used in the Bible both a description of Jerusalem and also of the church of God's people. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God is in the midst of his people. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, the covenant-keeping God of Jacob, is our fortress. Selah, or Paul's. There is a river that's meant to be a poetic description of God's presence, nearness, and his grace to his people. See, the church is God's dwelling place. And God is a fountain of living water. We see this both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see this as a description of God the Father and also God the Son. Let me show you. In Jeremiah chapter 2, Jeremiah writes... For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. See, we often think about the negative reality of this verse, but listen to the positive. Who have they forsaken? The fountain of living waters and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, God is the fountain of living water, life-giving water, supernatural, life-giving, spirit-giving water. That transforms us from the inside out. The world always tries to fix problems from the outside in. God transforms from the inside out. And then we get this really practical, beautiful encounter with Jesus and a woman who had had five broken marriages, was living with a guy who was not her husband, and was getting water at a well at high noon because she was ashamed of her sin and her reputation. And little did she know that Jesus himself sought her out in the middle of that. And this is what he says. This is part of the conversation. John chapter 4, verse 13. Keep in mind, it's hot. She's getting water out of a well. But Jesus wants to tell her about a different kind of water, a different kind of drink. He said, whoever drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Meaning the water in the well that the bucket's about to to pull out. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Satisfied at the deepest level of your soul. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring welling up to eternal life. See, this isn't just intellectual knowledge. This is experiential. There's, there's a reality when you trust in Jesus and God's Spirit comes inside of you, you are given life, given water from Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's water that never, ever, ever runs dry. Inexhaustible. Satisfying. Water from the Lord himself. And then we get this picture in Revelation chapter twenty two, a glimpse into the future. Listen to this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystals flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Through the middle of the street in the city also on either side of the river the tree of life, with its twelve fruits yielding its fruits each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations no longer. Will there be anything accursed? But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship Him. They will see His face. His names will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light. They will reign forever and ever. That is true of all God's people. We will one day be with Him face to face. This is the Lord we trust in. We do not have to fear the nation's raging. We don't have to fear any armies. You don't have to fear terrorist cells or communist dictators or any other group of people that would seek to thwart and destroy. The Lord is the one who can bring peace in a moment. He's the one who will desolate those who are his enemies. And he is our captain. He is our king. He is our brother, Jesus, whom we run to and we trust in. Be not afraid. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the captain of the greatest army in all creation. So you can think of whatever most imposing military you can think of. Maybe it's our own country's military at present day. Maybe it's something throughout history that you've read about and studied about. Oh, there's no army greater. And there's no captain more superior in strength and power and wisdom and might than Jesus. And he is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our Present help in every trouble. So I want to ask for the third point, kind of where we began, a similar question. Is God your functional hope, confidence, and resting place? Is He, where are you going for confidence and hope? Listen to verse 8. Come, the sons of Korah would say, Behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolation on the earth. And and we're going to see in a moment that's talking about the destruction of militaries that would, would try to oppose. Come behold the works of the Lord. If you want God to be your refuge and strength, one way to do it is to call out to Him And ask Him by the power of His Holy Spirit to help you to see His works, His power, His might. Read all the mighty acts of God. See, when I read this book, when I open it in the mornings with my cup of coffee, I'm not reading it to study for an exam. I'm not reading it to pass a written test. I am reading it for food, for my soul, for Life and strength as the Holy Spirit illuminates and helps me to apply it to my life so that God can be not just my intellectual go-to, but my experiential, functional refuge and strength. This is food. This is like a feast that we have every single day at our access. Now, it begins with turning from your sins and trusting in Jesus. But once you've done that, Go to Him regularly. Go to Him often. Ask Him to expand your understanding of how great and mighty and powerful He is. See, my hunch is if you are just being gripped by fear and worry as a Christian, you're probably thinking a lot more about the troubles that surround us. The roaring rush of water. The foaming Water that's coming up to our doorsteps, you're, you're probably meditating on it. You're probably thinking about it. You're probably watching it and listening to it far more than you are fixed on this reality, the living God who is powerful and mighty and gracious. May this week be different. If you need a refresher, if you need a, a new awareness of how powerful the Lord is, take some time this week and read Job chapter 38 through 40 and you will encounter his creative amazing power verse 9 says he makes war cease to the end of the earth he breaks the bow he shatters the spear he burns the chariots with fire he makes war cease so that the Lord may use skilled ambassadors diplomats Though the Lord may use other armies, ultimately, the Lord is the one who brings an end to all that is evil. You need not fear it. We pray, we trust, we pursue the one who is in absolute, complete control. Look at verse 10. This is my heart for every one of you that is watching that this would be your experience, whether you are really young and playing with toys right now as you watch, or you are at the later days of your life. This is God's will for you as His kids, as His children. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am the living God, the mighty God, the gracious God, the all-powerful God. Be still, rest, and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted throughout the earth. The Lord's plans will be accomplished. There will be people from every tongue, tribe, and nation worshiping the Lord in heaven. It will happen no matter what. And this great and amazing God that we serve is at work right now, building His kingdom, strengthening His people. As we're, we're separated right now, He is doing things inside of us that will ultimately strengthen us as a whole. Be still and know that I am God. Remember what Jesus said? Come to me. Come to me. All Who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to Jesus. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We don't have all the answers or the power or the resources, or the ability to solve all the world's problems. But we do know the One who does. And as we worship Him, as we obey Him, as we delight in Him, as we sing to Him, as we talk to Him, as we memorize and meditate on His promises, His peace and His presence will guard our hearts and minds we will be different. Verse 11 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The covenant-keeping God of the Old Testament is the covenant-keeping God of the New Testament. He will never leave His people. He will never break His promises. He will be faithful till the very end. Let me end where we began. Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. May you experience that this week and for many years to come. Because that's true, therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. The mountains tremble at its dwelling. God is our refuge and strength. Let's pray to him, and then I'll have several announcements. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace in the sons of Korah's life as they penned this incredible psalm. Thank you that you had mercy on them. You have mercy on us. Lord, we want to experience the reality of Psalm 46 this week. As a church family, no matter where we're at, we ask for the Holy Spirit's power and presence. And when we catch ourselves focusing on the roar of the rushing water and the foam that's coming up to our feet, may we turn back to you and declare that you are our hope and our help. We love you and we ask this in your name. Amen.